1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing today?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was still piecing (laughs) in. Some people only piece out. I piece in. I am doing well. Scott and I had a, what should we call it? Wholesome. Let's call it wholesome weekend.
1: Yes. Very wholesome weekend.
0: Right. We spend the weekend with little kids, little football, PG movies and G movies. And there are some good G movies, by the way. <laughs> right? And uh, no booze.
1: That's right. It was a good, clean living. So we got to make up for it this week, Greg. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to start today. <laughs> okay. We're going to start for lunchtime.
0: Yeah. Actually, I'm not. You know, what? we were just talking about this. I'm not one of those guys who sits around and drinks beer while watching football. I just, uh-huh. I take it way too seriously and I don't want to be impaired as I'm analyzing future potential competitors, right? If I can do anything about it, but I want to know. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> you in action. Yes.
1: I can vouch for that. A very smart and disciplined approach. But speaking of smart and disciplined approach, or at least half of that formula, we got a real smart show here today. we got four stories as we walk through the buzz, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, four yeah. stories that come from across the world of global business, variety of news and developments.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I have one more thing. Okay. Big announcement. This is the most popular show in supply chain, as identified by all the authorities, Charitable and blah, 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 whoever else measures that. And you know what we're going to do, Scott? We're going to offer sponsorship of The Buzz. So ah. as might have noticed that we took supply chain out of the name of The Buzz. It's just... The Buzz, because we do a digital Transformers edition as well, which isn't necessarily supply chain. Right. Just a little inkling. But anyway, we're going to offer a sponsorship. So the title, your company here. (laughs) In lights. (laughs) The Buzz, brought to you by...
1: That is right. I like that. I like the picture you paint, Greg. If
0: you're interested in that, well, you know how to find me.
1: That's right. Awesome. This is an incredible journey. Can't wait for what's ahead. Big, big, big things coming.
0: Who would be interested interested in that, right? I mean, who would like to be attached to that,
1: right? Well, the hands are going up. Um, Okay. Also, resources before we get going here, I want to share a couple other resources here. Greg offered a great, with that said, over the weekend, really focused on the front end on what we're seeing in the Middle East. And, you know, it goes about saying tons of tragedy, tons of loss. The uncertain times just became a lot more uncertain in terms of what lies ahead. But by focusing on, as we get through this period, you know, certainly our, our thoughts and prayers and our mindset are with many of the families that have suffered loss or are working through a very frightening set of circumstances. Greg, your final thought here on what we're seeing.
0: How about just a quick thought? Sure. Plenty of loss to go around. This is a problem that's literally been going on for 3,600 years, and we're not going to solve it with protests at Harvard Mm. or in the streets or making silly, silly statements about who's in the wrong or who's in the right here. This will probably end in a way that none of us are going to like, and it's probably not going to end at the time of this conflict. So this is bigger than all of us. (laughs) Literally goes back to the Bible. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I think everybody should probably know when to stay in their lane. And the only thing we can do is empathize and pray for the people who are being affected on both sides.
1: That's right. Well said, Greg. So folks, check out this edition where we've actually offered up some great tips for navigating and protecting your mental health, whether you've got friends and family there impacted or if you're just trying to you know, get through you know, all the news. So check out, uh, with that said, we put it out just about every week. And you'll also find beyond that, on a less important note, you'll find some of our upcoming events and some other resources. All right, Greg, are you ready to get into the first of several stories here today? i ready. Ready,
0: Freddy. Boy, am I looking forward to this first one.
1: Okay, well, I can't wait to get your take here. So I'm going to unpack it, and then we're going to get Greg White's patented nuclear hot take. Here we go. So we're going to give a quick update on the automotive strike situation, the ongoing automotive strike situation. So the United Auto Workers, UAW, expanded its labor strike last week, particularly in its action against the Ford Motor Company. Over the weekend, the UAW said they had expected a revised and improved labor offer from Ford, but... They say they got the same one they received a couple weeks ago. So 8,700, that's right, almost 9,000 UAW union members went on strike at a Ford truck plant in Kentucky. Greg, we we're talking pre-show. They call this thing Kentucky Truck Plant, KTP in Louisville. But that's not just any plant, evidently. It's Ford's biggest manufacturing plant in the world, where it makes its popular Ford Super Duty pickup trucks, the Lincoln Navigator, and the Ford Expedition. With this expansion, about 22 percent of all uaw workers at the big three are now on strike thus far on the other side of the coin so to speak thus far the automakers have more than doubled the wage hike offers that they originally submitted and they have agreed to raise future wages to account for inflation and they've agreed to better pay for temp workers but that is still falling short of uaw's leadership's demand so greg your thoughts
0: let's spit in the wind at this point, so many of these jobs are going to be automated out of humans. And I think I said this the last time we talked about this, this is kind of a last cash grab for that last generation Mm -hmm. that actually wants these jobs and still does them manually and mostly does them manually out of obligation to those workers by the automakers. And this is the thanks that they get. So, I mean, it's not like the automakers are charitable organizations and Mm -hmm. doing kind thing for these workers, but they are paid a more than fair wage for the work that they do. It's funny because I'm reading this book by Ray Dalio, and it is extensive, an extensive amount of research. It is called, oh my gosh, it is. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The title is so long. Sorry. Ray Dalio. Is that the name of the author? Ray Dalio. How to Survive the Changing World Order or something like that. Okay. Oh, here it is. Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order. Okay. This is part of a cycle of countries that become superpowers and are the leading currency in the world and that sort of thing. And this is evidence of stage four, which is kind of the tailing of that superpower into inevitable oblivion. And, you know, it is this demand for excessive mm-hmm. wages in society, which of course we are because we're rich relative to other nations and we spend a lot of our money on frivolous rather than productive things. And Mm. anyway, this and many other topics has me thinking about that. So there you have it. I'm sorry. That was not very cogent, Scott. and (laughs) Real optimistic read. I mean, I think that it is kind of the stage that the U.S. is in right now. So as India and China are coming up as economic powers, you know, they'll inevitably take our place. Most of us here listening to this will be probably dead by that point but we're about 70% of the way through that cycle. So, you know, this is just further evidence. And the interesting thing about the book, Scott, I'm sorry, is that the inevitability of this is incredible. Literally, Ray Dalio has studied 3,600 years of history okay. and seeing this happen over and over and over again, and not just in English-speaking or European areas. It's happened in China several times. It's happened you know, over thousands and thousands of years. It's happened with the Romans, probably most famously, but with the Ming dynasty and the Tang yeah. dynasty as well, and others. So,
1: Did he happen to study the Romulans and the Klingon dynasties as well?
0: he did uh, <laughs> yes that was during the 60s <laughs> sorry was, it, run short. it was only like four seasons right, <laughs> right.
1: well it's getting aside sounds like a great read and, and i just googled it as you were talking about it
0: it's a commitment let me tell you it's something like 14 hours worth of reading wow well we expect full
1: full-fledged book review and report once you get through right ray, ray dalio
0: Yeah, Ray Dalio, the founder and CEO of Bridgewater Associates, the largest private equity group on the planet. Very cool. Not always popular, but boy, and I mean, I have had my issues with Ray Dalio's point of view in the past, Mm. but it is inarguable that he is the most well-researched of anyone who's espousing their point of view out there.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Y'all check that out.
1: Moving right along to our second story, we're going to stick with the workforce, but we're going to talk more about the warehousing industry. Now, for years now, Greg, this is nothing new for any of our listeners has been with us for four or five years. We've talked about the tight labor market in the warehouse space forever, long before it became headlines. Of course, it is one, just one of the big drivers of automation and labor challenges continue to impact how warehouses recruit the human element that many still need, right? Eventually, as Greg has thrown out there, they'll be fully autonomous with robots rolling around all the time. Maybe humans sitting back, just pressing buttons, who knows? But right now there's still that human element is still important in many uh, logistics facilities out there. So in this report from the Wall Street Journal, we see that logistics operations in general are looking to compete more and more for gig workers and are also more and more willing to provide the flexibility they often require. That latter part is, in my view, the bigger news here. They've, they've been competing for all sorts of workers forever. That's not new. But I love the flexibility that these employees are offering. So according to a survey by our friends at Bridge, which also was in this WSJ article, the portion of logistics workers who are choosing and they are able to choose which four- to six-hour shift they want to work, Well, according to the survey data, that segment rose from 15% in 2021 to 21% in 2023. Speaking of flexibility for the workforce, PepsiCo, we're all familiar with that, right? Comes in a close second to the tastiest beverage in the known universe. PepsiCo, though, is testing an app now that would allow their warehouse workers to do things like swap shifts from the convenience of their smartphone. I like that, huh? Yeah. All right, so Greg, as we're talking about warehouses shifting gears or or getting more serious and more practical about offering flexibility to the workforce that they can recruit and attract, your thoughts?
0: This has been a challenge since before COVID, right? And COVID did not help because if you think about how some companies like Amazon have planned for this, they had actual RV parks at a lot of their facilities and nomads, right? Boomer nomads who were Mm. traveling around the country in their RVs would stop in and stay for a month in a town and work at Amazon, you know, or maybe other facilities do this too. It's just Amazon's most famous for it and then move on. And they have for many years at Amazon. I only know this because I worked, remember, my previous company Mm -hmm. was a company that serviced Amazon. So they have used temporary workers, which More than gig workers provides you with some really interesting story. Just Mm. enough money to buy the next hit of meth, and then they are done with their shift. That kind of thing. And as we have said, less comically and more common, people are staying away from these jobs in droves. Mm. These incoming generations are just staying away from these jobs, the dark, dirty, dull, and dangerous jobs that we've talked about so often. I mean, this, it's a real challenge and has been for many, many years going on a decade now, I think. So they've got to do something, flexibility, automation, some combinations of automation and flexibility, gig workers, whatever, Yeah, right? Just to get it done. Because at this point, they are desperate to field humans to do the human jobs in these facilities. And Mm. remember, at a lot of these companies, they are provisioning with automation, Mm. And yet there are Amazon facilities that are two, three, four million square feet that have fewer than the two dozen humans working in them. Mm -hmm. They are provisioning for this. And yet still they are tens of thousands of humans short. I think an interesting campaign is interesting as this flexibility for the folks at Amazon. Sorry, not to make this an ad. It's just that they do ads during football, which I watched this weekend.
1: (laughs) It's top of mind.
0: Did I mention, yeah, did I mention without a single beer? <laughs> and I saw an ad about a guy who joined Amazon as a warehouse worker and now runs one of their server facilities. Love it. And a lady who started as a warehouse worker and now is in their UI, UX experience organization. So, I mean, there are opportunities outside the warehouse and they want you to elevate to those positions. So... Mm-hmm. I think there is some legitimate, depending on the company you're working for, I'm not saying that's only an opportunity at Amazon, but you could explore what are the opportunities for elevation if I take this warehouse job. And I think that would be a great opportunity for a lot of young people because, you know, I've known warehouse workers who took over companies and there is nothing, nothing like the experience of knowing how an organization operates every single day Mm. to elevate your ability to run a company Mm. having that experience is so incredibly valued the equivalent of working in the mailroom right in the old days
1: (laughs) i was just watching seinfeld's lots of repeat episodes because comedy central now runs seinfeld almost as often as they run the office and there's a great episode where they promoted someone up from the mailroom and hilarity ensued. I can't remember the name of the gentleman. You probably know the episode I'm talking about. Anyway, kidding aside, I'm with you. You know, you never know what massive opportunities you're going to have by getting your foot in the door and, and learning the operational side of some of these businesses. And I love those two stories you featured, Greg, that now the folks started there on the front line and now they're leading, and doing bigger things.
0: I was encouraged by that. And I don't even want to yeah. I don't even want a job. At Amazon, right? I was encouraged by that. I thought, wow, who even thinks of that anymore that that's possible, right?
1: I love those stories. Going back to where we started here with this piece, my favorite part of this is the newfound flexibility that these companies are really already giving or looking to give more to the workforce. That should help with recruiting on a variety of levels. Mm -hmm. Moving right along. So, quick blurb about this Thursday. Let's see, the 19th. That's this Thursday, right? 19th. Yes, sir. We have got a live webinar with our friends from Enable, backed by popular demand, from Numbers to Strategy, How Finance Drives Data-Driven Supply Chains. Greg, if you leave finance out of the conversation, you do so at your own peril, right? Amen.
0: It turns out, Scott, that people want to be paid for the stuff that they send you. (laughs) Right. How about that? What more needs to be said?
1: Late breaking news. All right. Well, folks, join us for the live session on the 19th, this Thursday at 12 noon. Not only do we have Nick Rose there from Enable, but we've got a great finance business leader from a company called GameStop, which uh, I bet we've all heard of, right? So check that out. So, Greg, let's see. Let's get into our third story here today. Now, folks, don't leave us now. I know packaging for many may not be exciting. But you know what? I would argue that packaging impacts your life, no pun intended, more than you've ever thought about subconsciously. And we're going to get into some of this. So, this is an interesting article from our friends at Packaging Dive. All right. So, this article focuses on key takeaways from conversations at EPAC conference up in Chicago last week. Now, most folks know that sustainability, of course, is a big focus, not just with packaging, but across the board. It's also a big focus. When it comes to packaging design, however, other factors are equally as important, such as protective traits, because you know that things gonna be slung into this van and thrown over here and thrown on the porch. So, protective traits, marketing appeal, how's that look? Especially with the packaging, you'll find on consumer goods sitting on those shelves. Of course, cost factors big as well. Now, one packaging expert noted that older folks are using e-commerce more and more, so packaging considerations now include is it easy to open? Now, Greg, I would argue that that's not just, I can't get into some of these packages today. I've got to get the heavy-duty scissors to get through some of these shell cases. Uh, But back to more sustainable packaging and the elimination of waste. I love this. That furniture company, Love Sack, perhaps Mm -hmm. all have seen the commercials. Well, they print all the assembly instructions right there on the box so they can eliminate the printed paper versions. And Greg, some of these things come with like Two hundred seventy-two page encyclopedias that covers every address or every concern you may ever need about any product. They print all of that right there on the boxes. So, Greg, your thoughts when it comes to some of these packaging trends or packaging topics, or you name it.
0: Well, I've got news for you, Scott. We <laughs> are the older people that they are talking about. <laughs> right. 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 You don't think it's your, let's say, grandparents, since your mom is watching this. You always think it's your grandparents that they're right. talking about, but we are slowly becoming those old people. I'm thinking, you know, that as baby boomers age out of the workforce right. and the planet slowly, that Generation X, which most people have forgotten exists, we become the old people. And we're gonna be cranky old people on Yes, gonna... we are. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> <laughs> But yeah, I I think about that. I think I would think about things like is it easy opening? I think about Every time, every time I throw a box in a recycling bin, I'm thinking, why couldn't we just reuse this box? Right. I mean, just feel like there ought to be a way to get the box back without it having to go through the processing to be built into another type of box, right? Right. And it is true, man, people get deliveries like never before. So my daughter just moved into a new apartment complex and they have lockers for delivery of stuff not just mm. not just a bank of mailboxes but lockers for delivery of the stuff that you order for e-commerce mm. of every size and shape
1: how about that
0: well, i mean you do away with other rooms like the server room mm. and whatever else and you use it for that stuff i guess huh. so anyway e-commerce is still growing right? And I think, what did they predict for this holiday season? $27 billion, oh, something like that. that. I remember when it broke a billion, which also makes me sound old. Oh my gosh. It wasn't <laughs> long ago, folks. But yeah, I mean, I think it's time to be thinking about not just sustainability generally, but sustainability specifically and how we can even improve on that. But yes, there's so many things to think about with packaging. How does it look? How does it make you feel right? It's a tough stick.
1: That's right. I would argue, despite the fact that it touches all of us to your point, multiple times a day in some cases, but it's also kind of under recognized out in industry, kind of like reverse logistics, I think slowly, but surely changing that. You never know what Greg's going to say after he says something like, well, I got news for you, Scott, but you know, (laughs) it's going to be good and buckle in. All right, let's talk candy. Let's talk candy. So my least favorite holiday not one of them oh I thought, you were gonna least say
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say one of my kids and then when you said least favorite i'm, I'm about to learn something folks
1: <laughs> my least favorite holiday yep is halloween no doubt about it but hey a lot of folks love halloween and greg especially the folks that make candy because as cnbc reports here halloween is candy's biggest holiday yeah And as John Gold and our friends over at the National Retail Federation good old NRF are projecting, consumers are expected to spend $3.6 billion on Halloween candy this year, up from $3.1 billion last year, partially inflation-fueled, of course, 48%. Now, here's something I didn't – I should have expected all transparency. I got a really big bag of candy this past weekend at Costco. And as Amanda got home from her trip, I said, hey, I've got the Halloween candy knocked out. And she said, oh, no, you got it too early. We'll be lucky. We're lucky between all the kids to still have that come Halloween week. But 48% of Halloween candy sales take place during that last week of October. So by my rough math, Greg, that is half of 3.6. That's $1.8 billion of candy on that last week of October, a lot wow. of folks are familiar with Mars and I've got a trivia question coming out to Greg next, but you know, the Mars brand, Snickers, Twix, Three Musketeers, M&Ms, all that stuff. Well, Mars, you know, they don't release their revenue, but they had 45 billion in annual revenue in 2021 to give you perspective, really big company, right? Halloween planning at Mars is a two-year affair. So when Mars sits down with its suppliers, customers, team members, you name it, look at trends across the confectionery arts In 2021, well, we see those decisions come to fruition in 2023. Speaking of planning, Mars as a company exceeded its production targets for this Halloween season. How about that? Gold star.
0: I don't know if you remember, Scott, earlier in the year, remember they were talking about how they were going to struggle to meet demand.
1: That's where my brain went as I was reading through this. Right. But the good news, folks, plenty of candy should be available for that Army of last minute shoppers that clearly we all are. All right, here's the question I'm going to ask you, Greg. Mm-hmm. All this candy talk is bringing tears in my eyes. Do you know the best-selling Halloween candy? And to give you a little tip, a little hint, look at that candy pile.
0: Not sorry.
1: <laughs> yes. Hershey's Reese's Cups, the number one best-selling Halloween candy, coming in second, is my beloved Snickers. Greg, before I bring you in, Mom is a big Milk Dud fan. I am too, Milk Mom. duds. Yeah. But the thing is, here's a problem, Greg, with Milk Duds. They get old fast. And they are terrible on your teeth, as is probably much candy.
0: I bet your mom also loves Baby Ruth, which also gets, the chocolate gets chalky and old really fast. Yes. Man, when it's good, it's good. I'm with you. All right. So, Mom, I want you to try, my favorite is Milky Way Midnight, a dark chocolate Milky Way, Mm -hmm. but only the minis. And the Chiefs remembered that. So when I was at the game Thursday, okay, we're members of a little club inside the stadium. They had the Milky Way Midnights and a <laughs> bunch of other stuff that I didn't care about. And when I was digging through the thing to find Milky Way Midnights, and I probably won't. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Oh,
1: okay. Well, so two thoughts there, Greg. First off, I love dark chocolate. But secondly, how cool is that for them to remember your favorite candy? preferences
0: again not for the whole last week just the yeah. last weekend and that little bit of treat fell under the guise of the bartenders who oh i get it know, now they know me pretty well
1: <laughs> well do they so talking halloween candy there's a variety of uh what was in that read from our friends at cnbc that kind of surprised me a little bit are you surprised at the big you know, $3.1 billion to $3.6 and in the candy spin year over year.
0: You know, probably, yes. I wouldn't know what number to put on it, right? right. We live in a neighborhood that has very few homes in it. So not a lot of people come into it. But I mean, if you think about how trick-or-treating is done a lot of places now, like I love that churches and schools or whoever can, they allow you to like kind of tailgate. So people don't do it from their homes. The kids come to a parking lot and they right. go car to car to car, which, oh my gosh, if I was a kid, when I was a kid, if they had done it like that. <laughs> Fish
1: that, in the barrel. Two
0: more steps. Talk about efficiency. Fewer steps for per piece of candy. I mean, it is the ultimate junk food supply chain, right? <laughs> what a design. Who ever thought of that as genius?
1: Trunk or treat.
0: Yeah. Trunk or treat. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what they call it. Yeah.
1: But I'll just warn you from firsthand experience, and Amanda and Catherine behind the scenes appreciate what y'all do. Me and Amanda were manning our trunk one of those trunk treat times a couple of years ago. And if yeah. you if you're one of the first trunks to run out of candy, you better watch out. You better have protective gear on. There's gonna be riots. There's gonna be demonstrations. You better oh close my up gosh, charts. I
0: didn't even think about that. Yep. And there's no escape because the parking lot's full. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh gosh. And you can't turn off the lights. I mean they're walking right there next to you. Oh my yes. God. Yeah. It's not like they got to walk up from the street. They'll go to that house. Their porch lights out.
1: Right. There's a few Ooh. things that make Halloween worse for those of us that don't like it. And that is attending those trunk retreats and running out of candy. All right, Greg, the other thing you brought up, you know, we've reported numerous times, not just this year, but other years about demand. And is there going to be enough candy out there? And oftentimes as we mm-hmm. talked about, that's kind of overreported. reported There's not always a ton of truth there. It can be kind of overinflated. the story. But anything else come to mind about meeting clearly the world's big sweet tooth
0: remember we talked about cocoa shortages and we talked about of course there are human rights challenges in the candy supply chain and africa some countries in africa took some hard steps against switzerland which is where i can verify you get the best candy Mm. chocolate in the world literally in the world wow Mm. i mean they're not without its challenges but they seem to have have worked hard to overcome that. And we know, you know that many companies are very, very conscious of that and trying to overcome both the demand and the human rights challenges in the supply chain there. So yeah. impressive, honestly, after this was the second year that the candy makers said they would not hit their numbers. So for them to have hit, at least for Hershey's, to have hit their production numbers is very impressive. I mean, it took an incredible effort.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, good point. As you were sharing that, I was trying to Google the sugar market because I think one of the last times we talked about candy, we talked about sugar supply and prices and access for that matter globally. Yeah. Well, folks, as always, don't take our word for it. Mm. Take some of our word for it.
0: I see a Milky Way midnight in that. Oh, <laughs> boy, yeah. Look on your under that three musketeers. So. Yes.
1: Right here. Right folks. We have dropped a link to each of these articles there in the chat and y'all can check it out and let us know what you think. And Hey, by the way, before we wrap here, if y'all want to do what old mom did and share some of her favorite candies, y'all let us know what candy y'all are looking forward to getting here come the Halloween season. So all I can say is don't leave me with a bag of Kit Kats. Uh, Greg, please don't leave Ooh. me with a bag of Kit Kats, man. All right. Well, folks, if you love Halloween, hopefully y'all have a wonderful Halloween. Of course, we'll have a couple of shows between now and then to get you there. But as I think this is Amanda says, you got to get the candy the day before Halloween. If we want to have enough left to actually hand out to trick our treaters, I guess that's how it works. All right. So, Greg, as we are prepared to give folks a few extra minutes of their busy Mondays back, anything else on your plate on your to do list that you want to posit in people's minds here today before I wrap us up?
0: You know, there's just one thing that I'm curious about. I'd love to get people's thoughts on it. It doesn't have to be here, but I'll put it out there. And maybe if you come back to another show this week, share with us or share it right here. So, you know, the scope three regulations, all of the carbon regulations where companies are responsible for other companies' emissions now. I wonder how companies are tackling that these days, because, you know, I was thinking about how sort of politically charged that has become here in the U.S., where some people think it's implausible to be both sustainable and profitable, and yet countries all over the world don't care and Mm -hmm. are imposing those same kind of things, not just on sustainability, but also on human rights. Germany Mm -hmm. has a huge issue, kind of like U.S. Customs and Border Patrol does, where you can't prove Your product was not made with slave labor. It can't enter the country. Mm. And I'm curious how companies are dealing with those challenges day to day. Mm. Because here in the States, it almost feels like people are kind of pulling back as the obviousness of consumer spending is slowing and other impacts, I mean, are showing an obvious slowing of the economy or at least of economic growth. You can see companies kind of pulling back from this, or at least they're not. I wouldn't say pulling back; they're not being so outwardly effusive about mm. ESG type issues. I hope that's not the case, because I'm 100% convinced that you can be both more profitable and more ethical, right, in your supply chain. But I'm curious if anybody else is seeing anything like that. If the talk around your company, which doesn't have to be named, or you know, or other companies or other people that you talk to, if you're seeing kind of that pullback from these sort of ESG type. Discussions. Have you seen anything you would call indicative or a trend or anything like that, Scott?
1: No, I have not. I think, to your point, what I have seen as uh, cyber, as economic, as other yeah. concerns in this ongoing cycle we're in, you know, start to, to really dominate a lot of the space between executives' ears. I have. It seems like, and I've seen it reported on, where actual polling and surveys have taken as they try to quantify, you know, some of these anecdotal observations. Many of us, like you, are have. It seems like uh, that we have seen a deprioritization of many ESG initiatives or even spending. I saw one report. Hmm. So I welcome y'all's thoughts. What you're seeing, whether it's in your company or your suppliers or your customers or what you're seeing out in the marketplace. And you know what, folks, there's a variety of different ways beyond our shows. If you want to shoot us a note via you know, LinkedIn or email or hit our, you can also, Greg, we hadn't pushed this out lately. I think folks can still submit an audio message on our website, if I'm not mistaken, Greg.
0: Well, you know, we also have Insiders, Supply Chain Now Insiders on LinkedIn, where you can post in there. I'd be interested to see. Or, I mean, just... Tag us in a post of your own or message directly. Just be prepared to wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? Lots um, of ways. Hit us up on Twitter. That's right. Or S. White on Twitter. That'd be Scott great. W. Luton. Is that you? At Scott W. Luton. You got it. On yeah. X now,
1: I guess, to be official. X,
0: sorry. Dang. Yeah. Isn't that strange? This is one of the oldest companies of the internet here. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah, it was before PayPal, believe it or not. Okay, how about News that? News to me. Yeah,
1: I did see on the Morning Brew this morning one of my favorite reads that Disney is celebrating. I guess it's hundredth anniversary. Yeah, if I read that right. Yeah, so it becomes one of the handful of companies that navigated. I mean, think about be to outlast a hundred years. You got past World War II, the
0: Great Depression.
1: Yes, that you had right. to navigate. So, congrats to the, 60s. the team. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Britney Spears.
1: Oh, the list goes on and on and on. All right. So, folks, thanks for showing up here today. Thanks for dropping some of your comments. Big thanks to Amanda and Catherine back behind the scenes. If you're listening to this replay, hey, join us live. And if you're joining us live here today, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, you name it. And also, don't forget to reach out if you've got some things you want to share, perspective, observations related to Greg's last point there. Reach out. We'd love to engage with you.
0: We're going to hear from Gino. I guarantee it. Guarantee. Right. And
1: he may put a beat behind it because, you know, Gino is a rock and roll drummer, if you if you recall.
0: Oh, my gosh. They are having a big songwriter festival in Muscle Shoals, which is up by where Gino lives. Florence, Alabama.
1: Okay. Well, we might see him in action. Who knows?
0: You might see me in action there. <laughs>
1: okay. Legendary Muscle Shoals. Greg Always a pleasure to knock out the buzz. Likewise, you. Thank you. Every Monday, 12 in Eastern time live. Folks, thanks for being here. Hey, yes. pull something, pull one nugget or one little candy thought aside oh. and do something with it, right? A little kiss or a little Reese's cup or whatever, yeah. Hey, whatever it is. But kidding aside, it's about action. It's about taking action. Deeds, not words. And you know what? you might want to think twice really about going out of your way to do good things for other folks right now. There's a lot of folks hurting out there. Mm -hmm. So now let's double down on the challenge we, we share at the end of each and every show on behalf of the entire team here at supply chain. Now Scott Luton challenging you to do good to get forward and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at supply chain now. Thanks everybody.
0: Thanks for being a part of our supply chain now community.